0: And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you had a great weekend. I am looking forward to a couple of hours of today, hopefully with you. And I've got Patrick Albanese joining me. We're going to get the day started with some fascinating information about the way God designed the human body. We're going to start with that. And then the Monday afternoon mix. We're going to talk about the, tri- the triumphant entry into Jerusalem when Jesus rode in, on a donkey that had never been ridden. And then in hour two, Dr. Marcus Bachman will be joining me. We're going to be talking about the gender dysphoria issue that's going on in our world today. So Patrick is not only my friend and confidant from the great state of Iowa, but he also lives in the prestigious town of West Des Moines. Patrick, welcome. Uh, but
1: the S's are silent.
0: Yes, I know. Yes. I know.
1: Yep. In that- Illinois, silent S on Illinois. That's true. S-plains, you pronounce them... Des Moines, you don't.
2: <laughs>
1: All right, let it's, me. I, you know, yeah, it's it's it makes no sense. Yeah, uh, yeah. I we I grew up near Des Plaines, and they'd say, "No, you pronounce the S's." And I go, "Okay, Des Plaines, Illinois." They go, "No, no, no, you don't pronounce the S's." I said, well, there's the, I need a rule that applies. Yeah, we always need rules. We need rules. So I can't follow I before E except after a bunch of letters.
0: I get that. So, yeah. yeah. Howdy. Hey, hey, uh, Did you get anything productive done this weekend? like cleaning of any kind.
1: You know, I I did. And my apologies to any of the people that experienced winter, the onset of winter number 11 and 12. uh, That would be the fault of my wife who put the lawn furniture out (laughs) and a hammock. She put a hammock out. Now that's just asking for winter to come back.
0: And it did, didn't it?
1: It did. And then, uh, yeah, one of my son's friends came over and promptly broke our hammock. (laughs) This is how I know this is my my son. Uh, uh, His friend broke the hammock and got a little bruised on it and called him up to see how he was doing. And he says, I'm okay. I got a little bit of a bruise. He says, well, you owe us $75 for the hammock.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You owe me $75 for the hammock?
1: You really broke our hammock. Oh, that's very funny. (laughs) Yeah, I mean he's hurt, but no, you you <laughs> broke it. it Seventy five dollars. Yeah. So I I, I, said, I said well tell him we'll do it for <laughs> fifty. Anyway, yep, should we, we get
0: did the, we got stuff done? Yep. Should we get to the topic at hand? There are so many topics at hand. Let's do it. Well, let's start in Genesis chapter two verse seven. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man oh, yes. became a living being. And I am fascinated that the way God designed our bodies and the way we breathe, which all started with God breathing life into Adam, and now we take between 20 and 25,000 breaths over the course of 24 hours. Each day. Yeah, let me break that down for you, Patrick. breaks down to about 12 to 18 breaths per minute for an adult. Children usually breathe about 60 breaths a minute and certain adults will breathe 400 times a minute if they're in an IRS audit.
1: Yeah, well, and those things can go on for hours. <laughs> <I can. laughs> mhm. My, my Aunt Donna, a notoriously messy record keeper, got audited. Had a restaurant and I I think she just unleashed the IRS guy down in the basement. Uh, with boxes of receipts, and I think he came up after a while because it was musty down there and said, why don't you just pay a small fine and let's get this over with. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she was breathing hard at all. I think she knew it would go her way. Mm-hmm. So uh, so, t- so, 12 to 18, all right, so that's about every three to five seconds you take a breath. That would make sense. Yeah. In, you get on the treadmill and you start panting.
0: That's true. You're going to
1: run out of breaths. What if you just have a limited number of breaths? What if you're just allotted a certain amount and you've wasted half of them on a treadmill?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, in by age 50, the average human has taken at least 400 million breaths. Oh, I remember having the celebration when I hit number
1: 400 million.
0: <laughs> we, we it was a Tuesday, me. wasn't it?
1: Yeah, we had a cake with four hundred million candles on it. Nice, and, uh, I got quite winded blowing those out.
0: Yeah, yes. And, and each each breath fuels our bodies, and oxygen, obviously, being a crucial component needed to our most basic functions, whether it's moving our body, our muscles, digesting food, or even thinking.
1: Yes. <laughs> and are we are we not supposed to be nose breathing?
0: We should be I nose breathing. Yeah.
1: Yes. So I keep reading more and more of, about this. It isn't just you know. I guess when they used to call people mouth breathers, I, I, I assume that was supposed to be an insult, but apparently it was advice. <laughs>
0: it was advice. It, it was. Yeah. It's it's inefficient for your body, but if you have to breathe through your mouth, obviously you're going to do what you need to do. But when you inhale through your nose, it helps heat and pressure um, so the lungs can extract oxygen efficiently. And then you've got your little nose hairs, which I know you try to trim on a regular basis. That's true. But they stop particles like pollen and pollution from entering your lungs. I mean, the, the whole body is so beautifully designed. So you're saying I should return the weed whacker to Home Depot? <laughs> uh-huh. Now, do and you just let the you, do let you, the, do the you, nose hairs go? Do you yeah. snore?
1: Okay. Uh, <laughs> I've been. What I've I just hit told, a nerve?
0: It's uh, a yes or well, no.
1: It's a yes or no question. It's a, it's a yes. Okay. It's a yes. I I was. Let's just say that I wasn't aware of the extent or the severity of the problem uh, until I was. Actually, it's funny you should bring this up. Most recently presented with an audio recording <laughs> of, of, of a couple of minutes of a sleep segment, shall mm-hmm. we say. And I said, come on. that's No, that's from the state fair. That's the hog calling contest.
0: <laughs> and it was you sleeping
1: and snoring. It was me sleeping. And I, and I thought to myself, this, I'm, this can't be restful. And, uh, to which my wife said, well, it certainly isn't restful for me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) It is not restful at all. But, uh, it was terrifying how much noise I made. Um, Um, I, I now understand why I had to move so many times out of apartment buildings (laughs) from noise complaints. It was Mm -hmm. me the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. So is that because that's because your mouth opens? Because I have one of those um, machines, the CPAP machines, and I fought with it for uh, a number of weeks, and I I gave up. I gave up, and I know there probably will be people that will text in or call in and say, don't give up. Uh, But uh, it it was like, if you've ever seen the movie Alien, and they had that (laughs) alien on that guy's face, (laughs) the machine resembled that, and uh, it just kept me awake. Mm -hmm. It. hmm was it did not help me sleep. It kept me awake all night long mm. with its its um, shoving air down my throat, which
0: <laughs> apparently you need to live. I guess so. I'm talking to so Patrick you, Albanese. You're, is, you're not. Yeah, yeah, I just want to let people know if they just joined the program. What are these guys talking about? Because it is kind of an unusual topic. But I love the way God has designed our bodies, and I find it fascinating uh, on how we breathe and some of the. The things God has given us. Now, for example, Patrick, uh, the how much would you guess, how much air inhaled by gallons do you think you inhale in a 24-hour period? Okay. Average Not amount of leave. air in gallons yeah. inhaled by you in a 24-hour period.
1: Uh. Well, I'm not sure. Okay. I'm not sure. I'll, I'm going to I I assume you have this answer. I do. The I do have
0: the answer. Not not that I'm sitting around watching you breathe because I'm not, but the answer is 5,000 gallons of air you take in in 24 hours.
1: Oh, 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 oh. Now see, if you had if you would have said to me 18,927.06 liters, <laughs> okay. You would have had it. <laughs> That would have, yeah, you would have been speaking my language. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm sorry. I've been, I switched over to the metric system a couple of days ago. (laughs) Okay. uh, All right. 5,000 gallons
0: a day. Yeah. And now you've got your little air sacs inside your your human, your lungs. Inside the the lung is a little air sac, which helps process air with little capillaries and things. How many of those do you think you have in your lungs? And then we'll Uh give God praise and glory for his masterful... Creation of us.
1: Okay. Well, it's going to have to be millions then.
0: It's going to have to be millions. Yeah, it's millions. How about three hundred to five hundred million of those little air sacs in your lungs?
1: Okay. Can you? I, can want, you, to know, you, I, I you, want to know the scientist that counted those. I really. Do. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's time we just get back to counting.
0: <laughs> really. You know what happens when someone comes in and interrupts you when you're counting? Then you got to start over.
1: I know. Could you imagine one hundred and forty-seven million three hundred ninety-two thousand <laughs> five hundred sixty-four? Wait, was that four or five? Uh-huh. I, yeah, that's a lot of. Uh, so, obviously, those are all needed. Yeah, this and is. I mean, we—the the human body can obviously process. A, a, you know, we sometimes breathe in some pretty foul air. We go into areas we've we have had horrible pollution, and people have suffered from it. But. The body still can has done a pretty good job of processing it. And you say, well, that's the three hundred to five hundred million tiny air sacs that are. What are they doing? They're just cleaning you out, cleaning the air for you.
0: They're processing the air. No, I think the clean, the air goes in the lungs, kind of clean, and then the the, the 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 little air sacs process the oxygen and help it carry to all the capillaries in the into the blood system to keep everything functioning. It's fascinating.
1: It, well, it really is, and it also it it makes me say, you know, how do you say, well, this just happened by accident? It's a perfect system.
0: Perfect system, yeah.
1: Really, pretty amazing. Yeah. So that's uh, five thousand gallons, three hundred to five hundred million. I'm just writing this stuff down. I figured because you might it, visit it upon me again.
0: Yeah. yeah. Here's a pop quiz: Is one lung bigger than the other?
1: Now, the fact that you're asking that question means it's got to be yes.
0: Yeah. The left lung is smaller than your right lung. Now, Rosie would know that because of lung history. Is that right, Rosie? is. Has-
3: this is true. Gary lost his left lung and can do so many things because he still has his right.
0: And the left lung is smaller. So if you're going right. to lose a lung, probably better to lose the left.
3: Want to hear one more thing? Yeah. That your lungs are dynamic. So his right lung works for as the same oxygen level as when he had two. Because Grew in capacity awesome. as he needed it. Yeah. Beautiful. So it's a built-in backup system.
0: I love that. Yeah, that's, that's God's creation. Just for fun. He,
1: he gave you two lungs just in case.
0: Yeah. Mm.
1: Wow. Yeah. So that's, I did not know, I didn't realize that the other, so one lung will just pick up the slack. Yep. For the other one. Yep. And you're asymmetrical mm-hmm. on both sides. hmm I guess. Wow. Yeah. That's... Uh, but that's got to be by design. There's a reason for that.
0: Yeah, huh? So I'll take a break, and we come back. We'll see if over the break we can get any more out of this topic. I'm not guessing. We, <laughs> I'm not guessing we can, but we'll we'll try. Unless you know somebody Are you texts saying somebody. we're running out of air? On this uh, topic. Yes, I believe <laughs> we are. All right, Patrick Albanese is my uh, friend and guest, and we're getting things started with a little bit of light side because a merry heart is like good medicine, and we both believe that, and hope you do too. We'll be right back. We want to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. We're creating encouraging posts every day to help you focus on the important things as you spend time on social media. From graphics that feature Bible verses and quotes from our hosts and show guests, to articles about topics you are interested in, to videos from our hosts. Search Faith Radio on social media sites to connect with us today.
3: What would you do with a brain if you had one?
0: Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours Confirming with the flowers Consulting with the rain And my head I'd be scratching While my thoughts were busy hatching If I only had a brain That is the theme song from my friend Patrick Albanese, who is uh, residing in the great state of Iowa in the prestigious town of West Des Moines. We've been friends for a long time, and I always enjoy starting off the week on a lighter note. Now, I don't know if this is a lighter subject, Because we're learning about how fascinating the human body is and the way God designed our bodies and the way we are breathing inside the womb in a very different way than we are outside the womb. It just doesn't end. Yes, it doesn't end. And I mean, the
1: process to go from the water breathing to the air breathing is pretty cool too. Just a quick little slap and you're off and running, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. That was, I mean, you know, watching my kids be born, you know, of course, it changes your mind about a lot of things. Uh, You know, you're just seeing, you know, going through the whole pregnancy and then seeing this living, breathing child appear and now watching them grow up. Uh, I just, I, it's just amazing, and it's all written into us. Mm-hmm. This development of this person, and just even the way that the brain works, and the brain's expanding ability to learn all of the things it needs to learn at a young age, and how things change and slow down, and um, I, as you and I sometimes uh, lament, we're we're at the managing the decline <laughs> version of life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a listener, but oh, go ahead, Patrick.
1: Just, oh, go ahead. Yeah, no,
0: no. A listener just wrote in and said a lung. Four lung lobes on right side and three on left. And I thought, yeah, that makes sense. Um, I don't know how big a lung lobe is, but isn't your heart on the side that only has three lung lobes? Because it needs a little bit extra room.
1: I see. I so see. It's crowded in there. It's crowded that on the left sense. side
0: because that's where the heart is. So you have one yeah. less lobe. That would be my, my non-medical school guess.
1: No, I mean there was a point in time in our house we had three the three boys sleeping in one bedroom and the five girls in another <laughs> and it was <laughs> it was just how we made it work. Mm-hmm. Lots of sets of bunk beds.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. My sisters had double sets of bunk beds in one room. There was a period of time I think they were all living in one room.
0: Wow, that is I stacked up, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it, it was stacked up. They were pretty small bedrooms. Yeah, I thought. I mean, we, you know, the, the, the three boys, we lived in one room, and we had one closet. Yeah, one closet, one dresser. That was your drawer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So, uh, wow. So, three lobes, four lobes.
0: Five. three okay. Yeah, three lobes. Let's see, three, four lobes on the right, three on the left.
1: So again, there's a, a purpose and a reason for that. I mean, the human body is such this perfectly engineered system that doesn't that's not an oversight it isn't like oh can you believe it
0: yeah no it's (laughs) not an oversight
1: We're really goofed on that left lung
0: yeah yeah
1: just the three lobes
0: oh well it'll work and and how precious it is to have um breathing freedom there are a lot of people that have trouble breathing and i can imagine that would be a, a kind of a panicky feeling
1: uh, my mother had the COPD. Uh, you know, she she did smoke for forty seven years, and um, uh, quit. You both my 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 father smoked as well, and then uh, when he got a cancer diagnosis, he quit smoking, even though they only gave him a number of months to live, because he wanted my mom to quit. Oh, he said, "Well, I don't have a reason to quit, but I'm doing it so that you'll do it." Uh, but she continued and eventually the emphysema and the COPD. And it was tough on her. It was really tough, especially because she was very active. She liked to swim and she liked to play golf. And so, yeah, she'd bat on the golf course with the inhaler. I'm not kidding. She'd have that inhaler, you know, take a swing, take a puff, take a swing, take a puff. <laughs> uh, and uh, And she was a good golfer. Mm-hmm. She would regularly, yeah, yeah. Oh, I I could drive halfway to the green and then my 14 putt <laughs> uh we just my mom over there one puff one putt and she was in but uh yeah that's that's hard when mm-hmm. when you when your lungs give up on you
0: and and Patrick that generation found smoking to be kind of a very enjoyable everybody did it sort of activity
1: well their doctors did it in the office I know And would often say, have you ever considered taking up smoking? (laughs) (laughs) You seem stressed. You know, (laughs) can I recommend these (laughs) non-filtered tobacco tubes? No, it's horrible. You see how much we've evolved. And that's why it's always funny when people talk about science has settled. And I'm not saying they were even saying that back then. But we've been wrong about so many things. About so many things, Uh, you know, that just being one of them, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and then we've learned so much and yet, I don't know, sometimes I still scratch my head. Yeah. are you doing something else wrong. Yeah. And I don't,
0: I don't want to make breathing the answer to everything, but there is a lot to be said about taking nice, long breaths. It does kind of calm you down, help reduce a little bit of your anxiety and it gives you a chance to, uh, I think, lower your blood pressure a little bit. I think you do feel a little bit better after some nice slow, methodical breathing?
1: Yeah, the old and the count to ten. I mean, wasn't that you know that was the prescription back when we were kids? You know, take some breaths, count to ten, mm-hmm. and uh, did that ever work for you? No. Yeah, I didn't mean either. No, <laughs> but I got really good at counting.
0: <laughs> yeah, and they do say that a good hard laugh really does give you a chance to. Uh, get that air out of your lungs and get some fresh air back in it.
1: Now, have you noticed that, you know, so you have a a good belly laugh uh, and then sometimes you're sore the next day from laughing. Yes. What does that tell you? That tells you that I need to do more of this to, you know, keep those muscles working. Uh, B, I probably cleared out some stuff. I probably, clear. was yeah. it Norman Cousins that wrote the book Anatomy of an Illness? And yes. And he had a, uh, yeah, the uh, diagnosis, a terminal diagnosis, and then just immersed himself in comedy. hmm Yeah. And then he didn't have this illness anymore.
0: Well, it was right? an unusual he, story, but yeah, it, he did sort of laugh himself to better health.
1: Yeah. I'm a big fan of that. I am too. Uh, yeah. Comedians don't get to laugh much. True, true. Yeah. They spend more time thinking about how to make other people laugh. A
0: so, uh, listener just texted in, patients used to smoke in their hospital rooms and nurses smoked while doing their reports each shift. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, because I remember my
1: mom, after uh, eight children, ended up in you know with se- severe back pain and we- we went to visit her in the hospital once. We were pretty young. I, I think I was maybe nine or ten. She was in traction, which is not the kind of thing you want to do. But uh, she's in there, you know, all hooked up to this contraption with her cigarettes.
0: Mm. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You
1: know? Wow. And every, everybody, though, every doctor and nurse that walked in was, I mean, it was, it was, yeah. You know, they they didn't think twice about it. Mm-hmm. But you know, kind So of the now.
0: science may not be settled, huh?
1: I'm guessing it's not settled. I yeah. don't know. You know, It's kind of like you go to the store. I went to the store the other day, and I see an item I buy, uh, and, and, and it has gone up in price. So that wasn't settled. <laughs> I, said, I said, I go, hey, th- that thing uh, jumped in price. And the guy says, well, you see the tag there? It says, you know, price is subject to change without notice. I said, right, but I noticed. <laughs> so.
0: <laughs> so they shouldn't have raised it on you because you noticed. I noticed, right. Yeah.
1: You, you, you were expecting me not to notice. I did notice. <laughs> so
0: so knock the price back down. Can I get my
1: discount, please? Yes.
0: Yeah. And what did he say? It didn't work. He uh, said no. I'm
1: so disappointed. Yeah. 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 I guess I, I wasn't the only one who noticed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I still, I always remark at the, the, the beauty of the human body if you've ever had an injury that you've healed from and you just watch the process and like most doctors will say, well, I, I might start the process, but your body does the rest. God does the rest. Mm-hmm. You know, I set the bone. Yeah, you know, right. My son broke his wrist. And then you say, well, look at this. Yeah. Eight weeks later, you say, God put it back together again. Yeah, the doctor says, I set it. Your body's going to take care of the rest. Mm-hmm. It just knows what to do. It knows how to fix a broken bone.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, the human is body amazing. is incredible. Patrick, thanks for yep. the chat about it. I had fun. Me too. Yeah, it was a good All right. time. All right. Thanks. Yep. Patrick Albanese has been my guest. I hope you enjoyed it, maybe had a laugh or two. We're going to start things off, uh, continue it now with the Monday afternoon mix. Pastor David Miles and Rosie B will be in studio. about it. It is time for, for the Monday. After,
2: oh. <laughs> oh, Monday. <laughs> it's that
0: time. Yeah, Obviously it's we're not rehearsing anymore. No, Monday.
3: we have not rehearsed. It's
2: that time on Monday.
0: For the Monday Afternoon Mix, Pastor David Miles Rosie B. How is everybody?
2: Good. And Good. Bill. Thank, and you. Bill. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank dun, you. Dun, dun. So Sunday we celebrate the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. One week before his resurrection. Mm. I got to tell you, this is uh, one of the big, big events. One of the top 10 events seen in all four gospels.
3: I love that. Top 10. Consistent. Top 10.
0: Consistency. Yep. Yep. And why is it a top tenner? Ooh. Who wants to start trying to answer that
2: one? Ooh. Yep. Pointing at me?
3: Yeah. Pastor David Miles. (laughs) You take it.
2: It's the fulfillment of the Messiah coming in, the promised one of whom many, many prophecies were written, the hope of mankind. And it's, uh, you know, we, we've been talking about John the Baptist, and uh, John had stated when he saw Jesus, I think it's in John 1, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins uh, of the world. And um, you have Jesus who's, who's showing up. And, and, you know, one of the things is he's the hope of the world. Mm-hmm. And he was also a huge threat to the establishment and the mm-hmm. forces and the normal ways that man thinks that uh, victory comes through human hands. So it's actually a, a strong testament of God saying, not by might. You know, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, before we get to Palm Sunday and the triumphal triumphal entry into Jerusalem, should I just mention what the top ten are? The top ten events that are in Ooh, all yeah, four I'm Gospels. Curious. I'm curious. Ooh, yep. do. Should we? I, I go through them quickly. Yeah. Jesus begins his ministry in Galilee. Hmm? That made all four Gospels. Jesus feeds 5,000. That, of course, made all four Gospels as well. Jesus foretells of a betrayer in the Ooh. midst. Peter denies Jesus, made all four gospels. How about Pilate pronounces sentence upon Jesus? Huh. All four gospels. They crucified the king of the Jews. All four gospels. Mm-hmm. Jesus dies. Of course, all four gospels. Jesus is buried in a tomb. Mm-hmm. And Jesus, then they went to the tomb on that early, early morning. Those are the other nine.
2: Hmm. Wowzer.
0: Yeah. So anyway, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem is a top tenor. And so let's talk about the fact that Jesus entered Jerusalem on a colt of a donkey that had never been ridden before.
3: I love that because a donkey's mentioned so often in Scripture, and it's it's fulfilling a very important prophecy that was written 500 years beforehand. I mean, that's crazy.
0: Now, they wanted Jesus to be the one that would overturn Rome. Mm -hmm. He did not come to do that.
2: Right. No. And, you know, one of the miracles that you note that happened in all four Gospels is the feeding of the 5,000. And what's interesting is in the feeding of the 5,000, it says, and when they see Jesus, you know, break the bread and produce basically manna, you know, they knew Deuteronomy eighteen fifteen, where Moses said, behold, there'll come a greater prophet." And the passage says, and perceiving this, they sought to make him king by force. Hmm. And so in this triumphal entry, there's still this hope that, man, Jesus, you know, come in with Cape and like overthrow the authorities. And one of the little telltales in The Feeding of the 5,000, I think it's still in John, it might be in Mark, is when it talks about the little boy, it notes that he had barley loaves. And Mm. barley was the grain of the poor. Mm. So here you have these people who are being horribly taxed when they're being colonized by Rome. So Mm -hmm. you got Italian colonization happening. They are being taxed to death. And so when Moses... Like produce manna, what did Moses also do? He over, God used him to overthrow Egypt, and so they're thinking, man, you know you're you're gonna rock this out of the park like we are, we're we're going to be back in charge, and so Jesus shows up, and he shows up not in a way that people were expecting.
3: don't you think I mean, have I watched too many hollywood movies i'm I'm thinking that if that was the type of king that they were expecting, there would have been chariots and you know trumpets and crowds of people. But he comes in on a donkey and people lay palms down. It just seems very opposite from what you would think of for a hero welcome of that day.
2: Yeah. Right? And we, we've been influenced a lot by like Hollywood. Right. Because we're convinced Jesus is Scandinavian and he's a Middle Eastern Jew. <laughs> so it's like. True uh, enough. True enough. But we have this mindset that, yeah, like Jesus should show up and be born in Caesar's palace, not in a manger. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just so very weird um, for us. And so he comes in and, you know, think of the disciples. I mean, like they've been following Jesus for three years. You know, people are probably saying, dude, like you guys left your fishing business to follow the dude who, you know, probably heard so many of your mama jokes. You know, Jesus, mm-hmm. your parents weren't married when they got married. You know, so, so that type of thing. So it feels like this, like Jesus' triumphal entry is their triumphal entry because, like, we've—what do they say? We've left everything to follow you. Mm -hmm. And so the hopes—and if we remember uh, James and John's mom coming and saying, Hey, Lord, like, uh, which one of my sons can sit on your left hand and your right hand? Like, it's it's amazing how the triumphal entry and all the hopes of man in power, um, it it ends up being something that's— You know, when the week is done, man, what a Mm -hmm. reversal. Like, talk about March Madness turned upside down. Talk about fickle crowds.
3: Okay, so this is, I learned something about that, though. You want to hear
0: it? Yeah, bring it on. So
3: I always thought, oh, fickle crowds. God, help me not be a person that turns on you from celebration on Sunday to crucify you on Friday. Mm -hmm. And then I was researching that a little bit more, like, why did the crowds turn? What exactly did Jesus say in that preceding week then that would make them so angry and there's um there is a lot of commentary on that it wasn't the crowds themselves that were angry but it was the family of the um pharisees the pharisees themselves and the families thereof that were in that inner court they would be the only ones that knew that jesus was being sentenced by Pilate. the crowds didn't know Mm -hmm. so it was the inner circle the pharisees that were crying out crucify him
2: yeah, and they and and like one of the things that we we have to be you know mindful of too is that when you look at the gospel accounts, it's the way that like you know the Sadducees and the Pharisees didn't like each other. No, okay, and even the Essens and the Herodians, and so the ways that we have to be careful about colluding or co- or putting ourselves, attaching ourselves simply to political power. Mm -hmm. And so God in the Old Testament warned the nation of Israel and actually had judgment because they sought to trust in the king of Assyria instead of trusting in the Lord. And so Caiaphas and Ananias, you know, Ananias was the high priest until I'm trying to remember the exact time, but he ended up being deposed by um, Herod. So then Caiaphas becomes the high priest and it's his father-in-law that, so all of this various kind of shuffling. So, What happens later in in all four accounts, like in Matthew 21, it starts off with the triumphal entry. Then in verse 12, uh, it says, Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple, overturned the tables of the money changers. And he says, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of robbers. Okay. Now, Mark's is the very first gospel written. And I think it shows a little bit of Jesus' heart as well as the issue of discipleship failure because in the very first gospel written, it says, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the ethnos, for all the nations, which is the exact quoting of Isaiah 56, verse four, where God says, shall not my house be a house for all of the nations? Now, for those, we're here in the Twin Cities area, and we have this thing called the Minnesota State Fair mm-hmm. where it's like, what was it like? Two million or a million, a little over two million, I think. Yeah, in attendance. So, so a lot of people show up at this, and Rosie just hit upon this earlier about how the inner family, the the really connected family, they were in the inner court. But Jesus cleanses the temple, and that's the outer court. And the outer court was basically the place of the Minnesota State Fair pre-COVID, mm-hmm. where only Gentiles, only Gentile, non-Jewish. God-seekers, like Cornelius later and others, they could seek God, but they could only go to the outer court. There are these—when they did excavation, they found these 13 balustrades were basically big cement things. And Annamit said this, The person found inside of these balustrades will be responsible for their own ensuing death. Because if you were a Gentile, you cannot go from the outer court into the court of women upon pain of death. You couldn't go across that line. You can go into the court of women. If a woman you can go to the court of Israel and the Court of Israel, you can go to the inner court. Mm-hmm. And you can go to the innermost until the um high priest went once a year. So when we later get to Jesus on the cross, the veil of the temple is torn top to bottom. And what you find then, is the hinge verse of the book of Ephesians. Love this book. We often think it's, "For by grace you've been saved through faith. Actually, the hinge is the part of Paul reminding those Gentiles that God took those who were far and those who were near, and the word there is made them one completely brand-new humanity, Meaning something that had never existed before is the word that's used there. Mm -hmm. And so God took Jews and Gentiles and made them one in Christ and broke, tore down the wall of hostility that divides. And then the book ends up finishing by saying, and God is making us, these Jews, Gentiles, this diverse group of people, into a holy temple that God delights to have his presence and glory in. Ephesians chapter 11 uh, chapter 2, 11 through 22. And so this this is something that Paul's going to come back to again. But it starts with this triumphal entry that Jesus is showing up to say that the king, who is the king of God's kingdom, who is the king of kings and lord of lords, is now here Mm. uh, to take his rightful place. Isn't that crazy?
0: And where would we have heard about the prophecy of Jesus arriving, we would learn that among the many references, Zechariah 9, 9. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt full of a donkey. That's 400 to 500 years in advance that's just wild it is wild
3: can you imagine so we're celebrating on Palm Sunday and and you know we have the the rear view mirror version right we mm-hmm. know what this all played out they're celebrating on Palm Sunday because in their own mind they think they, their king has arrived for right or wrong that's what they believe and can you imagine how heaven was celebrating I mean God determined this at the moment or probably before Adam and Eve sinned yep and this is the fruit of years and years and years of his people being um, enslaved and sin, that he had to put up with sin in his creation at all. I can't imagine how heaven was celebrating.
0: Yeah, the crowd could not see or understand the cross that day.
3: No, they couldn't.
0: They were looking for someone to rescue them politically.
3: Yeah. And can you blame them? I think I would I would be the same way. Yeah. I mean, the, what Jesus was about to do was so beyond human understanding.
2: Well, think of this, like, Rosie, you just hit upon this about, like, they're looking back these years and that this is something that God had thought about Yeah, before creation. So, Revelation 13, it says, An authority was given uh, over every tribe and people and language and nation, and all who dwell on earth will worship it. It's talking about the beast. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain like the King James says, uh, written in the Lamb's Book of Life, who was slain before the foundation of the world. Mm-hmm. So the idea, like, even before God so let their light, he addressed cosmic rebellion. And because he exists in eternity, so that's a, it's, a, it's a strange concept for us to kind of try mm-hmm. to think through it because we're so linear in time um, that we can get locked into trying to be able to, to, um, to, to, to see it. But real brief, with looking at, at English grammar and learning this like in Greek, if, if we're sitting at the intersection of, you know, Maine and Broadway and there's a parade in front of us and if we see a float and it's a root beer float, well, if we turn to our right where it's gone by, you know, there's a tense called eris tense. It's past tense. So that, that, you know, candy cane floats already there. If we look to the light left and there's a popcorn float, it hasn't come. That's future tense. But if we're in a plane flying over the city and we look down, we can see the beginning from the end at the same time, even though the people on the ground have to go through it linear mm-hmm. because we're literally outside of the timeline. And so God in eternity actually exists outside of the timeline, but yet in this triumphal entry, he let his son go into time mm-hmm. on our behalf. He's so an good. amazing God.
0: It's so amazing. We're going to take a little break from the Monday afternoon mix, but I promise we'll be back. Pastor David Miles, Rosie B., and me we will be right back. Start each week with a moment of reflection and prayer with the Faith Radio prayer devotional email. Sign up today at myfaithradio.com. We're back with the Monday Afternoon Mix. Pastor David Miles and Rosie B. We're talking today about the Triumphal Entry, or Palm Sunday, really the story of the king who arrived as a lowly servant on a donkey. Didn't come in on the big horse with the royal robes, but came in pretty humbly because he didn't come to conquer earthly forces. He came to be his own sacrifice for the people.
2: (laughs) How do you prepare for that, David Miles? Well, one of the ways that they would prepare, you know, um, and sometimes we skip over this in, in Scripture because even when, you know, Jesus is going to prepare the, you know, the feast and all that, they would talk about the day of preparation. So, like, they literally took an entire day to prepare. But even before that, there were these things called the, the Psalms of Ascent. And the Psalms of Ascent are Psalms one twenty through one thirty four. And a number of scholars said that these were psalms that were sung by worshipers as they ascended the road to Jerusalem. So literally as they were coming, they would come singing songs, hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and making music in their heart. Which interestingly enough, when, when Paul later writes about um, household rules, so to speak, in Ephesians chapter five, he would tell them to sing songs Psalms and spiritual songs to one another in their heart, and also as they um, as they submit it to one another in reverence to Christ, you know. And that actually, in some of the older versions, the submit to one that that break that we often have where we break out verse twenty from twenty one, and on husbands and wife. Mm-hmm. There's not that break. So the idea of like submitting in reverence to Christ, because ultimately Christ is all of our head. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but this whole thing about Psalms of Ascent and heading up, just singing to the Lord and just making melody. And I think, like, that's one of the things, um, in, like, verse 12, or chapter 121, I lift up my eyes to the hill. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. So, like, as you're ascending up, what are you doing? You're looking up. Mm-hmm. And he says, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. You know, and so like you're literally getting this 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 part of ascending, this part of, of preparing. So then later on when it says in Psalm 133, uh, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron running down on the collars of his robes. These guys are about to to see the priest, so like they they're used to seeing so like it's this visual reminder like god actually cares about his body mm-hmm. being unified as much as we do about our physical bodies like mm. when when your arm starts doing something that your mind hasn't told it to do i think the, what is the term is it Parkinson's? Uh, there is parkinsons yeah, yeah
3: where you don't have control of your body like you used to
2: yep and so when something and that's where we get the word Dis-ease. Disease is mm-hmm. disease. We talk about homeostasis, which means balance. And so like for these individuals, there was it wasn't just like, you know, mere intellectual exercise. Like they're literally walking up and they're reciting this, you know, every mm-hmm. year on their on their journey to Jerusalem. And so so like the question even for us is we come into Easter or the resurrection and even you know, Palm Sunday, how are we preparing our hearts? Mm -hmm. How are we preparing, you know, our minds? How are we preparing our souls? Or as you were saying earlier, Rosie, have we been so well marketed to that we're just thinking chocolate bunnies Mm -hmm. and nice clothes? Like, what are the ways we're preparing ourselves?
3: Well, and I think of Lent not being a tradition that all churches practice, but what I'm hearing you say is that it's not only you know, the 40 days before Holy Week of Lent. Um, but it's also, you just gave me a new visual of what it might have sounded like, what Palm Sunday might have sounded like with them ascending the hills, singing and worshiping through the Psalms. Like To me, that's like a measure of your the joy of your heart. I mean, such words of adoration for our Lord. He's so deserving more than any words that we could ever come up with. He deserves and ten times, hundred times, million times more than that. And so, I just never thought of the of the joy of Scripture filling the hills. Yeah, and that that's what he would have heard.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and triumph the triumphal entry marks the beginning of the end of Jesus's work on Earth. Mm-hmm. It's his last seven days. We're down to what I think we would refer to as Passion Week. Yes. Right. Yeah. Seven more days he'd have on this earth. His- yeah. And it's really the first time he's received praise. Mm-hmm. He would always say, mm, "Don't tell him about me yet, mm-hmm.
2: right? Keep right. it quiet. Keep, <laughs> keep it quiet." Now it's, "I'll accept the praise. I'll take right. the praise." And if the children don't cry out, the rocks will cry out. That's right. <laughs> right. You know. And so, like when you look at Psalm one twenty two, I was glad when they said to me, "Let us go to the house of the Lord." Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Like they're literally doing that now. Here's Mm -hmm. something that's interesting. In verse six, it says, "Pray for the peace of Jerusalem." Okay, may they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls. Like what they were thinking of, what peace was on their scent, Mm -hmm. and what Jesus is thinking of peace. You know, because of the triumphal entry, is like yes, the King of the Jews is here, and so like he's going to conquer. Our enemies, but they had had lots of enemies. You know, the Maccabeans during the Inter Testament, inter- Testament times fought against, uh, against Antichamese Epiphany. You had the Medo Persians, you had Nebuchadnezzar, You had you had all of those things. And the thing that all those previous enemies had in common was death and subjugation and enslavement. And Jesus is like, I'm actually coming to strip the keys from death and from the devil. I'm not going for the temporary ruler. I'm going after the head honcho. And so so when we read then in Colossians chapter 2, and it has just this very beautiful language that it talks about what Jesus did. And it says, um, you know, it talks about uh, how Christ canceled the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside nailing it to the cross he disarmed the rulers and authorities not just one plural and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in himself and so like like he he shows up he triumphs like in his death and so like you know he's like you know like if the devil would have knew mm-hmm. like what he was doing he would he would have left Jesus alone. Right. Yeah. You know, he would have left him alone.
3: But that's a, that's the benefit of having scripture that has lived before us and continues to live through us that you know as you were talking heaven's economy is always inside out from what we think. And I just I'm going to make a commitment this week to as we go into holy week to check and see where I have thought success was and where God has been sowing seeds of a different sort of economy. In my life and people's lives around me, just to to be more honest with, you know, being at the top of your game or CEO and all those things are great if you are working to the best of your ability, but it's not necessarily what God is looking for in you. He probably has a different message, something that's sweeter and different and and more, less tangible in a lot of ways for us.
2: Yeah, and I mean, like Jesus, like the thesis verse of of um, of Mark's Gospel is in Mark ten when he's talking about not ruling over people like the like the um, like the Gentiles do, and then he says, "But listen, that not even the Son of Man came to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many." And he talks about the importance of of leadership and so like of servanthood. So here's Jesus, Philippians two, who didn't equate being God but he made himself nothing. So he triumphantly rides in to say, I'm showing up to be nothing in Mm -hmm. order to become the king of kings and Lord of lords.
0: The day will come when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Thank you, David. Rosie, we'll take a break. When we come back, Dr. Marcus Bachman, we're going to talk about the gender dysphoria issue. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support.